This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. Welcome back, everyone. We're so happy you loved last week's episode. I know. I love that. It made me so happy. I know. How to embrace being, honestly, big and tall. <laughs> <laughs> Something we know very well. We know very, very well. Um, Christina, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm actually really, really good. I feel my mom was just in town. I uh, feel like she was here for a long time. She was here for like just over a week. Okay. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and it was just like so nice having, like literally I have not cooked a single thing in over oh, a week. Amazing. Sometimes it's just nice being a kid taken care of by your parents. I'm going to yes. say it. I feel like no matter how old you are, no matter how sometimes old, you just need to be taken care of by your parents. Yes, exactly. The only thing is, is that like, I feel like when my mom's over, it's her house, not mine. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, literally she'll be like, move, move. Let me wash the dishes. I'm like, no, like this is my house. Like I can take care of it. Yeah. But I like somehow become a kid again. The, the, the tables have turned. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm really good and I'm going to Miami next <sighs> week. Dude, I'm I am Miami. so freaking excited. I'm excited for you. Me too. I'm Do not you have your outfits planned? No, I need to borrow something. Oh. I've been meaning to ask you. Wait, I've got a lot of vacation looks. Perfect. Yeah. We're oh, shopping I'll... the closet after the podcast. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, what have you been up to? I feel like um, we have so much to catch up on. I have some tea. I can't oh wait. I cannot fucking gosh. wait. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I talked about this guy in the podcast a lot this past year, mm -hmm. Denver man, who I was low key, high key obsessed, obsessed with. with. Yeah. Okay. So I have not heard from him since like the last update I gave you, I saw him over Thanksgiving. That's when you told me you liked him, right? Told him I liked him. I was interested in pursuing something with him. Okay. Left his house. Haven't heard a word from him. Not a peep. Okay. Not a peep. He slides into my DMs um, last Thursday. Mm -hmm. last, yeah, last Thursday. And I'm like... Did he respond to a story? Fire flame emoji to a story. Okay? okay. And so I, being, you know, super chill and probably, you know, should, should not have responded back. I go, look who's back. I am... <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, missed me? And I go, nah. And anyway, I, he ends up being like, okay, well, how are you anyway? I'm good. Well, we're talking. He's flirting. He's like saying how much he misses me, yada, yada, yada. And I basically, Denver's a small city. I have actually gotten messages from a few of you who have also dated him. Mm -hmm. And my friend's friend was dating him. And so I was like, okay, obviously they must have broken up. And that's why he's back in my DMs. But... I, and so I asked him, I was like, wait, do you have a girlfriend? And he was like, no, I don't anymore. But you know, you got to fact check these 1, guys. 1000%. So I asked my friend, I go, Hey, is your friend still dating? You know who? And she's like, let me ask. Yeah. They're still together. What a fucking loser. So I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like my, to this friend. I'm like, Oh my God, I feel sick. Like, what do I, I'm like, do you want me to message her? Do you want to tell her? Like, I don't know, whatever. She connects me to this girl and she's actually really cool. Like she works out at the same gym. I went to in Denver. Like we have a lot in common. Like mm -hmm. he very much has a type cool girls. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
anyway, I have to like tell her, I send her screenshots of all the messages and, um, I like tell her, you know, what happened? Like Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. She was like, wait, you saw him over Thanksgiving? And I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. They were full on together. Yeah. Wow. And so I just felt like, oh, I felt so bad for her. But like, honestly, again, this goes back to our whole girl code episode. Yes. Like if it was me, I, I want to know. This guy is literally, and she sent me a screenshot of like the same time he's texting her. I love you so much. I'm nothing without you. He's messaging me. Say he's not with anyone. He's like, I'm single. He said, I'm single and unwanted. Wait. He's very dramatic. Okay. And he's like, I miss you so dot, dot, dot much. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and he's at the same time texting her. I love you so much, babe. I'm nothing without you. Okay. So after you told her this, did you say anything to him or like, no, I just never responded to his last message, which was, this is, I probably am not respecting some privacy. Anyway. Um, I think a certain privacy does not need to be respected. He basically was like, I don't know, like, I think I'm pretty cute and I think I'm a good person. That was his last message. And I was like, you know what? I could tell him good people don't cheat on their girlfriends and lie to other women and treat women like garbage. But I just was like, I don't even, he doesn't even deserve that energy. No, so I just left, just left it on red. Okay. Do you think she's confronting him? She broke, she, they she ended broke it. it. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. So, and she was thank. she was very like, like receptive, receptive, very nice, like very respectful because like, honestly, like I get like in those situations, like I'm the out, I'm the other girl, like that sucks. Like she could be, you know, she was yeah. very kind, very respectful to my knowledge, ended the relationship and, um, have gone their separate ways, but it was just reminded me so much of our girl code episode totally. and gosh, it sucks. But honestly, like I, if I, if I was, if roles were reserved, was reversed, I would want to know. I'd want to know every single time. So he has finally been knocked down from his pedestal. Cause I was holding this guy on such mm. a pedestal and now he has been dethroned. Okay, good. Done. We need to find Goodbye. a new king up there. I need a new king. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's my tea I had for you. I love that tea. I mean, I don't because that kind of pisses me off. But I'm glad, off. I'm glad that he's knocked off his pedestal, honestly, because he really never deserved to be there. He never deserved to be there. He was a very charismatic. He actually is the reason I read The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene, mm -hmm. because he is like a master... Seducer. seducer he's very much like a dandy which is a type of seducer like very mm -hmm. like there are people who like they have this thing they know exactly what to say they know how to act they like they, i guess it's just like a charm right it is yeah and i was very fascinated by it like this power he had over me because i knew that it wasn't right mm -hmm. but he had it and and clearly very it's happened to a lot of other women um with this guy uh so Anyway, it was just, it was an emotionally draining. Like it was definitely not, I felt like sick to my stomach, yeah. but again, like I feel like us girls have to stick together when it comes to this stuff or these guys are going to continue to be getting away with this shit. So 1000%. Yeah. So if any of you see Steve at the fucking gym, <laughs> <laughs> checking up some, some girl's ass or whatever, who knows? I you don't better know. be DMing Christina. You better be in my DMs immediately. <laughs> Steve would never. <laughs> He would never. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, Cause I'd kill him. <laughs> okay. Christina, what are you obsessed with this week? Okay. So a little background. Um, I went to the John Mayer concert, which you also went to. I also was there. First of all, let me just say, I am obsessed with live music. It was so good. It was incredible. But the, what I'm really obsessed with besides 
seeing live music, which I'm like, wait, I need to go do this more often. Obviously we've been in pandemic concerts. I've stopped. This is like the first concert I've been to in like probably three years, honestly. I was like, I need to go to more concerts, but okay. I'm going to be honest. I took a lot of mushroom chocolate that night, (laughs) Me too. which is my favorite thing ever. That's also not what I'm obsessed with, but in the middle of the concert, I, I found this on my notes. I got out my phone to write this note. Because I saw the note that you wrote in this doc, and I have no idea where this is going. <laughs> so I'm like very this eager This is to like hear. so random. You I wrote this at the concert. I wrote this at the concert. 315, body, Steve, superhero, John Mayer. Okay. <laughs> that is all my notes said, like while I'm tripping my balls at this concert. Okay, please, um, please elaborate so we can understand. So the night before, Steve and I were having sex. Okay. And we had a candle on and like Steve's like stood over me at one point. And I'm not even kidding you, the way the shadow looked on his body, like on like the ceiling, I, he looked like the, uh, like he looked like a fucking superhero. Like, cause it just made his body look so huge. And I was like, so turned on. I yeah. was like, get on top of me right now. Like he looked enormous and I found it so fucking sexy. Yeah. And then- we were at the John Mayer concert and there he is skinny. So skinny. Rocker, completely different type of body, everything. And I was like, I find him so sexy. (laughs) And what I'm obsessed with is this idea of attraction and like how you don't have to be attracted to one single thing. Like you can be attracted to all different body types, all different styles. And I think that we need to realize that men feel like that too. Mm -hmm. Men can be following a bunch of like fitness models and think they're super sexy and they could see a confident, curvy, tall woman, whatever, walk into like a bar and think she's super sexy too. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good thought because a lot of questions we get are like how they don't understand how a man could find them attractive if they find this other type of person attractive. Right. But you can, you can find both. Yes. So this is what I was thinking about at the concert. At the concert. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, I just I needed to share I that mean, with you guys. John, that it, man. He just like fine wine. The way he was handling that guitar. Uh, exactly. Those the <laughs> finger was, movement. I think it worked when sure. I wasn't hovering over my body. I know. It was an out of body experience. <laughs> it really was. It was so good. But yeah, I, I'm obsessed with that. I think we are attracted to all different body types. And I think men feel the same way. Yes. Very insightful question. What about you, Ray? What are you obsessed well, my with? My thing actually happened the same night as the concert. What so, is it? Christy, I went to the concert with a man yeah okay i know Big did stuff. he like me yeah he 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 could not <laughs> he so he doesn't have an instagram yeah oh yeah 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 and okay. so i had come someone had come up to me which we love like when you come say hi and like it, like i feel like you're our friends like we yes but yes. you are and someone had come up to you and then we ran into another friend and he was just like so confused. He was like, who are you guys? He was like so confused by that. It was funny, but he thought you were really cool. Okay, he so. was like, because after the concert, we're like, should we go get a drink? And I was the one who was like, no, I want to go home. I'm tired. I want to go. I was like, I want to go home with you, my friend. I'm not trying to go out with Christina. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> respect, was, respect. And he was like, and both you and your friend had kids. And we were like talking about that. He's like, wait a second your two friends have kids and you're the one who was making us go home, <laughs> giving me a hard time, whatever. I was like, okay. But anyway, we were talking, he asked me a couple times what he thinks my attachment style. He asked me what I think my attachment style is. And he finally was looked at me and he was like, I think you have an avoidant attachment. 
And to be honest, I always thought I had an anxious attachment. And I think I'm going to have to reread the attachment style book because I really do think, especially in the beginning stages, I have an avoidant attachment style. It's very, like, I'm very, like, distant kind of arm's length. Like, even like I noticed, like, when we were walking out of the concert, I was really far away from him. Okay, I noticed that too. And I was kind of like, oh, does she not like him anymore? I do like him. And I was kind of, that's why I, but I was like, the next day, I was like, and no, and then I asked you something. You were like, no, don't talk about it now. And I was like, did something happen? Like, did he piss her off, like, before the concert that she's like not that into it? Because I couldn't tell by, by your body language, honestly, right? It didn't seem like you're that into it. I know. I know, but I am. Well, but it didn't look like it. <laughs> it didn't look like it. I know. So I'm like, just, I think I need to reread that as I'm like really far out of my past relationship and, and think how I'm going into new relationships. So that's what I've been obsessing over is like, do I have an avoidant attachment? I think I do. I want to read it too. We need to do some more digging. I'm, I'm confused about who I am as a person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's our next book we need to read. And the product this week, Christina. Okay. So the product that I'm so obsessed with is actually something Ray influenced me to buy. Mm-hmm. It's these cargo pants that are so sick. Um, and I love them and they're from Revolve and they're such a good fit. And I try, um, I think it was like last week or the week before Ray was wearing them and I was like, wait, I want to try those on because I feel like you're a little bit smaller than me. And I was like, I don't think those will fit me. And you're like, no, I think they're going to fit you. And I tried them on and they fit and they're so great. They're so cute. They're so cute. The only issue with them, the ties, the ties at the bottom. See, I just let them drag. Yeah. Well, you're not as clumsy as I am and you're probably not as much of a germaphobe as I am (laughs) because that shit kind of grows me up too. Um, But they're super, super cute. We'll link them. And what I like is they have the adjustable waist. It's really not that adjustable. Oh, see, I I guess it's adjustable to make it tighter, not looser. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I tried making it looser when I first tried them on because I just tried them on. They just got got in last night. So this is the first time I'm wearing them. I'm honestly surprised I'm not wearing them today. I'm surprised too. Twins. Yeah. You guys are going to need them too. We'll yeah. make sure to link them in the show notes. Um, Ray, what are you obsessed with? Which it's actually something you influenced me to get. I love that. Um, Hannah was my good friend, Hannah. She, um, comes to LA for work a lot and she could get a hotel, but she always just stays with me because we just love it. Yeah. Like we're like an old married couple <laughs> and she was like, ran, you don't understand your bed and your bedding is so comfortable. Mm-hmm. She's like, you, I, I honestly, this is one of the most comfortable beds I've ever been in. And it's the parachute cloud, the pericle, right? Cloud cotton pericle. Isn't it parachute? No, no, no. Parachute is definitely <laughs> the brand. But I think it's like the Pericle is like the style of it. I don't know. Okay, well, I've got we'll the link, link to it, it yeah, because yeah, yeah. we're butchering the name, but I'm telling you, this bedding is luxe. And my mattress, I guess, is like people are, people, not that I've had a lot of people in my bed, but there's been a couple mm-hmm. saying my mattress, it's the all's well mattress. So we'll link them. I had no idea I was living in such luxury. Uh, bedding makes such a big difference. There's nothing I love more than amazing bedding. And especially when you change your sheets, you Ooh. get into your bed for the first time. Wait, you don't have a top sheet, don't I do not use a top sheet. I just wash everything once every Sunday. Duvet cover, sheets, pillowcases. Okay, this is really interesting. I mean, I like literally couldn't live without a top sheet. Really? This is a debate. I yes, I would actually can we please have a, a poll on this in the Facebook group? Because for me, I, I will sleep with a top sheet more than anything. Like I don't necessarily need the duvet. Wow, it's so thick. Like I like the duvet. 
It's so thin. And I put it on top, but like I need the top sheet. The way like a good crisp top sheet feels on my body feels incredible. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I see it. I see it. I used to be a top sheet person, but then my ex-boyfriend is English and they don't use top sheets. It was like, this is the most pointless thing I've ever seen in my life. And so we didn't use one and then I was converted. See, Steve, Steve is against top sheets as well. Interesting. I feel like <laughs> but he has no very, choice. He has no choice. Yeah, people are very, it's a very polarizing topic. Yeah. So we'd love to hear your input. <laughs> but um, also you guys, we reached our 300 review goal, which thank you so much. Honestly, that means so much. Obviously we put so much time into the podcast. So like it, we love doing this and any like share, if you can share it on social, if you liked an episode, share it, tag Ray and I, tag the Confident Collective so we could see it and share it. Like that just helps us so much. Your reviews help us so much. Um, so we really, really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Yes. Thank you so much. And it also helps us know like what you're really digging totally. and what you might not. So we Absolutely. love it. Um, should we get into today's episode? Yeah, I'm really fired up about today's episode. Me too. You guys are going to love it. So we have Erin Falconer on. She's a therapist, a screenwriter, a political consultant. She's co-owner and editor of uh, editor-in-chief of Pick the Brain, the blog and the podcast. And she's the author of How to Get Shit Done and How to Break Up with Your Friends, which we're going to talk about today. Today's episode is all about friendships. Yeah, and it really came at a very strange time for me because over just the few days before we were sitting down with Aaron, I had a very tough conversation with a friend and it was very emotional, very difficult. And this book, even though it's called how to break up with your friends, it's really like, that's one little piece of it. Mm -hmm. It's a whole chapter on like evaluating the importance of friendship and how to be a good friend. And the whole book is about the whole book is about that. Yeah. And it just came at a really, interesting time. I think it was like meant to be. And it was just, I loved our conversation with Aaron. Um, it was just very insightful and I think very important for women our age. Absolutely. And I know for me, like friendships are just so incredibly important. We've spoken a lot about them and especially as like I'm navigating so many life changes, I feel like Aaron has really great insight. Yeah. We talked a lot about like being in different phases of life because that's where I think a lot of people are in our age group. Yeah. In our age group. It's just the fact of it and it's hard to navigate. And we talk a lot about that and, and, um, just how to best handle those situations and salvaging friendships that you feel like should be salvaged and working through that. So we are very excited for you to hear this episode. Let's welcome Erin. All right. Welcome, Erin. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited. Something we talk, we talk about friendship so much (laughs) on this podcast, right? Yeah. I think Christina and I like compared to like a lot of people, I think we really value friendship and we preach that to kind of like, like an extent that's maybe not normal for a lot of people. I was telling right earlier, I was like, I have a husband, I have a son, I have a great family. (laughs) Right. I literally would be miserable without my female friendships. Yeah. Like they are such a huge part of me. And I feel like if I don't have time for those friendships, I, I feel so lonely inside, even though I still have all these people around me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons, you know, for the genesis of the book is because friendships are so important to, you know, your life experience, to your mental health. And one of the most important things that I think 
you know, really solid friendships do are they reveal different parts of yourself. And so if you're remotely interested in like a self growth journey, um, I think friends and relationships with friends is, is one of the best ways to tap into different, you know, different dynamic, different parts of yourself through these relations, because the, the dynamic is different, obviously than a romantic partnership or a familiar partnership where there are a lot more kind of expectations and consequences. And so you, if done kind of quote unquote, right, you have the ability to really explore who you are with, with, with lower stakes than let's say, you know, sharing financial responsibilities or raising a kid or something like that. Um, but the thing is we don't really as a society take the time to explore these relationships in the way we do, um, romantic or, or familial relationships. And it kind of dawned on me, I'm a, a therapist. And when I was kind of starting with the beginning of this book, I was like, okay, in the world of therapy, we have couples therapy, we have individual therapy, we have family therapy, but there's nothing around friendship therapy. And not that I'm suggesting friend couples go to therapy, but what that means to me is that there's no kind of language for navigating conflict. There's no blueprint for how to get into new friendships or out of existing friendships. And as a result, we kind of, most people are kind of in these relationships and view friendships as, as, as a category of relationship that is nice to have and should just give, give, give. And of course, any relationship worth its salt requires work. It requires exploration. And so, uh, you know, it sounds, it's great that you have such a firm, um, view of friends in your world. But I feel for most people, it's kind of like this group that is there and in, in words, we would say, Oh, we've got a lot of good friends. And yet we don't really have eyes on these relationships in the way we do other types of relationships. And I think that's, we're missing something because of that. Yeah. I think one thing that really stuck out to me in your book was, um, you said we see friendships as a luxury and they're often like the first thing that will take exactly. off our schedule. Right. Exactly. And, and that's counter, you know, that's counterintuitive thinking. Right. And so for me, when I was in the internet business, when I was running my internet company, the first thing that would, you know, come off was a drinks with friends or, you know, coffee with friends. And, but the fact of the matter is if you're doing, you know, if you're really active and living and, 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 you know, conscious in these relationships, it is exactly the, the drink with a friend or the coffee with a friend or the meaningful phone conversation with a friend that gives you energy that actually heightens productivity. And so we think like, oh, I can't waste time doing this. And yet it's the opposite is true mm -hmm. that we should double down on time in these relationships because they're so restorative and, um, and valuable, you know, as you kind of led with 100%. But I will say with that, like, especially as a new mom now, like finding time is right. hard, right? So you, right. if you're like freaking exhausted, right. you've been working all day, like you're coming home, like to your partner, to your kid. And then like thinking about like going out for a drink with friends, right. like it, it does feel like that is something easier to cut out. Sure. So I understand like how that could happen, even though like, I also get like, no, like you need to take that time too. Yeah. But I guess like, do you have like any other tips on like how people can like manage that time or like where they can fill friends in if they feel like their day really like they can't find the time. Right. Yeah. So I think the first thing is that we need to be kind to ourselves and understand that every, you know, every situation is going to be different. We're not always going to have availability. Um, you know, as the new mom category is really specific, <laughs> Yeah. but the flip side of that is that being a new mom is so 
unbelievably jarring and kind of exhausting and scary and you don't really know what you're doing. And so there's a case to be made that it is more important than ever to be able to connect at least with some other new moms that are going through something similar. Mm -hmm. Because I think when we look at just the mental exhaustion of what it takes, um, having that companionship of somebody that really understands what you're going through in a way that I don't think a partner, a romantic partner necessarily does. I mean, they're seeing what you're going through, but they're not feeling it and mm-hmm. living it. And so while you're not going to necessarily see all of your friends, it, it, I think becomes even more important to identify one or two people that can really just see you and understand what you're going through, um, to take some of the, you know, some of the burden of that time, which is filled with joy and excitement, but it is also exhausting and scary. And you a lot of times feel alone and like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so it's really important to be able to find one or two people, um, that help support you and you them. Yeah. 100%. And obviously like being a new mom is such a big thing, but like we all have busy schedules, like Ray, you're single, you, but your schedule is so busy too. And I do think that like one easy thing if is being present, like on phone calls because for me that is like one thing like I do my walks right I'm like that I call someone every single time I'm on a walk yeah I'm like that is my time to catch up with friends so like there are if you don't have the time to actually meet up with someone right totally and and I don't think it has to necessarily be in, in a drink or in a call and I think that's one of the I mean sorry or or in person I think that's one of the few silver linings of the pandemic is this idea of like zooming or, or connecting with people not in person has become a lot more common. And so I think a great kind of a uh, hybrid is to connect. You don't necessarily need to be sitting in front of somebody, but just connecting with them and, mm-hmm. and sharing, you know, how your day was or what you're going through or what they're going through. Even if it's, you know, 15, 20 minutes on a, on a call, it can be way more meaning than going out meaningful than going out and having a three hours long drinks and dinner session with it's loud and everybody on their phones. Totally. You know? So, um, but the idea is just to be very, um, intentional about it. And it seems like, for example, in your case, you are, you're like, I don't have the bandwidth. I am, but I know I want to connect. How can I find something that works for me? Okay. I take walks. This is a great, this is perfect, you know, but we largely don't do that. We're just kind of like, I'm busy. I can't, Mm -hmm. I'm busy. I can't. Well, you can, you just have to be creative and strategic about it and, 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 and identify again, like the core people or person or people who can support you at wherever you're going through right now in phase of life. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing that really stuck up out to me as I was reading was yes, the importance of having people who are in like the same stage. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a mom. So like, I just can't, you know, relate sometimes when Christina needs, like she needs those mom friends to talk to. Right. But there was this part where I was reading where it actually made me really sad because I think I'm going and I think I'm going through it. And a lot of people are going through it. It's when those shifts start to happen, right. when you and your single friend were traveling the world right. and having all this fun. And now she's in a serious relationship right. and I'm still single. And it's like kind of like grieving that, sure. that season of that friendship. Right. And then trying to figure out this awkwardness while you're like sad, but you want to be happy for them. Yeah. Um, and like adjusting to this new normal. And I think for our audience, especially a lot of people are in that phase right. where like these friendship shifts are happening. Right. And how do you think we can best handle those, those shifts? Well, I think first of all, uh, through communication and, and just, you know, listen, you're not going to change a phase of life, right? Somebody's getting married. Somebody's had a kid that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think the first thing is to really feel number one, confident where you are, because I think a lot of what happens is, is not just that, not that the other person is, has new roles or new expectations or responsibilities, but I think it often taps into a, Oh, should I be there yet? Should this be my life? And it, it, it also often comes back to you. And so I think a lot of kind of the friction happens. There certainly is the grieving of like, we don't have the same nature of relationship that we did. But that doesn't mean that you feel any differently about that person. You love that person any less, right? And so if you can see the broad picture that this is phase of life and maybe you will come back on, maybe you will have a child if that's your plan. Maybe if it's not, then you need to look at, okay, how do we, how do we navigate this? And you need to first say, okay, is this relationship really important and valuable to me? And if it is, then you'll find a way, right? And the first step is communication and saying, I just want you to know, I know you've got a lot of responsibilities and you're pulled in a million different directions. And I see that and I feel that and just know that I'm here for you. And I'm going to check in with you when, if I really need you or miss you. And, and, and so let's stay connected in that way. But I think also just, that's the other thing, like going to this new mom thing, there's also a lot of guilt. Like I had friends that didn't have, and I'm, I was at once trying to still be the same person to them. And of course that was failed miserably because you just can't, when you go over that <laughs> onto the other side of that, at least not at the beginning, but also having the confidence and knowing things settle down. Even if, even if on your path, you don't cho choose to have children, right? The new mom will settle down. Her life will settle down. It's just, there's a lot of flux in those first, that first year, uh, year or two, you know, and you, then there will space will open up to come back in, not necessarily the same way, but in a different way, but just as engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but it does start with you because I do see, you know, a lot of times there's much more to it than just not the hanging out. There's the own personal reckoning. Where am I at my life or where am I in my career? 100%. Where am I in my relationship? Mm -hmm. And then a lot of that is projected into narratives that are not necessarily true. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, that's so true. That that's like having that, being able to self reflect and right. notice that is really really hard. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's so important. And I think it's interesting too because even like if people are getting into new relationships, if you have like yeah. single friendships, like the like people start getting comfortable in their new relationship, right? right. Like the honeymoon phase mm -hmm. settles down, and then like maybe people are like longing for their friend again. Right. So it's like, how do you, how do you allow yourself to like, cause I feel like a lot of women, like when they, when one of their friends enters a new relationship, they feel right. like they're put on the back burner sure. a little bit. So how do you leave space for someone to enjoy this new life, the honeymoon phase, mm. but then allow them back in without feeling some sort of resentment? Because I feel like a lot of people end up feeling a little bit of resentment towards sure, their friends. Yeah, they think they're being left behind right. or, and again, as deeply personal as that feels at the time when that, when you're on the receiving end of this, it's not personal to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, that you need to kind of start with that and also say we're roles reversed, you know, especially if you are interested in having a long-term romantic partner, then if somebody comes up that really feels valuable for you and like, this could be a thing, it's human nature to like then step into that energetically mm -hmm. and probably you would do the same, right? Mm -hmm. At least I know there are, I know there are 
people out there that really lean into the relationship and start to be defined by it, which is a totally different, all of a sudden your friend is changing because she's in a relationship, mm-hmm. but that's not what I think I'm hearing you say, right? Mm-hmm. That, cause that is a different scenario. Um, but I think you do also have to have the confidence that you do know that things settle down, that the honeymoon is phased down and understand that again, this is not personal. This is a phase. This person mm-hmm. that I love and respect is exploring this because it's important to her. And, you know, as long as she's not being really dismissive or rude, or again, it's like a bandwidth thing. And, um, I think just kind of having compassion for that. Right. I do also think, you know, I'm hearing, do you guys know who the, uh, psychotherapist Esther Perel is? Have you ever heard of her? Oh, you Mm -hmm. you definitely should listen to her. She's, she's a pretty well-known in the psychotherapy world, Mm -hmm. a couples therapist. And she has a really great podcast called where should we begin? Mm -hmm. And she sees couples on like, that's the whole podcast. And what she's been talking about a lot more and more is the importance of friendship to the couple. Um, because nowadays, especially coming out of this pandemic, the other person, the romantic person has become our everything and, and us and reciprocal, right? Mm -hmm. Vice versa. And that's just not sustainable. Nobody can be your everything. You can only be your everything to you. Right. And yet we're, you know, if we're not working from home together, we're doing yoga classes together. We're so co-parenting and in mesh together, there's no separation in our lives. That puts a lot of strain on the romantic relationship. Yeah. And according to Esther, one of the best ways to take some of that off is by cultivating meaningful friendships. And that's one of the best things you can do for your, for your romantic relationship. So they don't need to be everything. So the person, you know, that you have a mentor friend or your friend that really gets you out of your comfort zone. You have a lot of fun together. These friendships can be, um, you know, satisfy different parts of who you are and your needs, as opposed to like locking in on a romantic partner to be everything. And we're not doing that consciously. It's just kind of where we've become Mm -hmm. as a culture and it's not good. So I think like making space for the friend uh, to go back to your question that has gone into a honeymoon phase and then it's kind of settled down. It's really important to make space for that because I think that should be part of a healthy process of like, and now let's get back to friendship in part for your romantic relationship. Yeah. And I think what you, and you said, like communication is huge. Yeah. And I think um, I'm personally going through kind of one of these shifts with a friend and it's been really, really hard because we hadn't communicated because like you said, women we avoid conflict. Right. 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 And maybe in romantic relationships, we're like, we're having these conversations, but in friendships, we're not. So then it's festering, festering, festering. And then it becomes this really big thing. That's like very emotionally draining or can be really hurtful. right? Right. Yeah. And so I just think I love how you're encouraging women to have these conversations, even if it might be awkward because we don't want to do it. Right. Oh, I even in myself and I'm somebody that is very confident and somebody that I, I mean, I navigate conflict for a living in, in other people's lives. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, one of the first experiences I had with this book is I, and I talk about this in the book is I had a very, I have a very longstanding friend, um, very dear friend who on paper, I would say is absolutely one of my best friends. She is chronically late by like, you know, 30 minutes and it's, she lives over here. I live on the West side. And so it takes me a lot of effort also to meet up with her and mm-hmm. I'm always on time. Anyways, 
I noticed that I, I had all of these built up resentments and irritations and it's not the biggest deal being late. Right. But when I wasn't addressing it, then all of a sudden it becomes this chasm and chasm. And I almost started being indifferent to this friend when I stopped to think about it. And again, that's totally contrary to what I would have said outwardly. And so in the book, I, I, confront her about it. And it was amazing. Of course she was late for that, for that <laughs> meeting, but in that half an hour that I was waiting, the, um, the different narratives, the way I was trying to talk myself out of this, you know, she's a single mom. She's really going through it. She's blah, 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 whatever. Then I, I don't know. I think this could be really upsetting to her. And this is just like spinning in my mind yeah. of like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'm making a bigger deal. Is this really a big deal? You know? And then, and I was like, wow, I cannot believe you of all people are doing this. Um, because so often, you know, friendships don't end in a big drama. There's no like, you know, it's so rare when it's like, she stole my partner or she, mm-hmm. you know, she stole my job. It's not that one big stab wound. It's often death by a thousand cuts. And so like, and this mm-hmm. was a very good example of this where yes, being late is a very big boundary for me that I do not like it when people are habitually late, but being late in the landscape of what this person is offering is actually quite small. And yet it became this thing that was so much bigger than it needed to be because I wasn't saying anything. And and that's kind of one of the epiphanies, you know, that I had with writing this book is like, why is this so awkward? And it's because we just don't talk about this and we don't do it. And there's no language for it. Like there is in a room. We're very clear on like what we will or will not tolerate in in a romantic relationship. Right. right? Because if you're dating someone and right. they're 30 minutes late to three dates in a row, you're, you're like, like bye. bye, like never happening again. Yeah, exactly. And it's not complicated. Right. It's it's like, <laughs> bye. Right. And yet here I am like, you know, three years later, still kind of like mm-hmm. rationalizing behavior and then talking myself out of things. Mm-hmm. And like, if I'm doing that, then I can only imagine like people that are you know, not as tuned into psyche and mental health and like what the norm is kind of doing. Right. And so that's a problem. In fact, I was being introduced, uh, interviewed by Maria Menounos, who we were talking about before we started. And she said to me, she goes, okay, Aaron, Aaron, um, I've got this girlfriend, really good friends. We've been friends for a long time. And the last 10 times, I kid you not, the last 10 times we've made plans, concrete plans, we're meeting here, date, place, time, um, excitedly. The last 10 times, the night before the morning of, she's canceled. She's canceled. She sent me a text being like, I can't do it. And she goes, look, look, look. She holds up her phone. She says, look. So I, get to like, I go, yes. And um, she goes, so what do I do with this friend? And I said, well, Maria, I've got news for you. Um, you're not in a friendship with this person. You're in some kind of weird relationship. Mm -hmm. There's something relational going on, but this is not a friendship. This person is not committed to this relationship Mm -hmm. as evidenced by her behavior. And I said, let me put it another way. If this were a guy you were dating, she was like, gone after date gone, 1000%. And so it's like, we're, and, and, and I'm sure back in the day before we had parameters around dating, which, you know, it was awkward and how would you do it? And how would you know what was right or wrong? But the thing is that's much more in the zeitgeist now, about what is acceptable. And we talk about what we will and won't accept with people we're dating. We just, we don't have the practice yet in friendship. And that's why it's so important. It does feel awkward and weird. Believe me, when I was chronicling having that conversation with my friend, I was like, 
dripping with sweat, which oh is gosh, so yeah. not my MO. Right. You know, here I am like heart a fluttering and I'm like, this is wild. Because I feel very, very confident, but the idea of like sitting down with a friend and being like, Hey, like let's check in on our relationship. Like, like, how are you feeling? Like that gives me so much anxiety. Exactly. Okay. But if so, but I do feel like women need to do this. Totally. So I guess what would be your advice to start that conversation? And let's say there's not like something in your mind that's like festering that you're mad about, but just wanting to check in because I do think that we all want to be better friends, but we might not know how to be better friends in every friendship you have to service every friend differently. Yeah. Well, so kind of funny story. So I was almost done writing the book and I, you know, I interviewed many women for the book mm-hmm. and, and I talked to many of my own friends. And, um, as I was like wrapping it up, I was like, Oh my God, I didn't interview my absolute best friend, Sophie. And this is so bizarre. Like I was like, how did like Sophie, and of course we're talking about workshopping problems and like how to do things better. So of course she wouldn't necessarily naturally come to my mind, but I was like, this is wild. Like I almost put, sent this book to the editor without like mentioning my very best friend. Mm -hmm. And it was in that, that I was like, you know, things are pretty good and, and well, they're very good, you know, and we've certainly had like you know, some conflicts, but we've worked through them. And I was like, but I feel like there's, I would love to know where she stands in this whole relationship. And I know she loves me and we're best friends. And so I literally wrote a quiz. It's a 10 question quiz to do with a friend that you're not having big drama with, or there isn't, it's just like, it's a really good start to check in. And so she came over, I was like, okay, you need to help me out. I wrote this thing. And so she came over and she was heavily pregnant. She like plopped down in front of me and she was like, okay, what are we doing? I was like, well, we're doing like a friendship audit. And she was like, okay, what? <laughs> and so I like handed her the printout and we asked each other these questions. And it was, it was a little awkward at the beginning, I think just settling in, but then the information that it revealed was so compelling. And like, by the end of it, I was like, I'm so glad we did this. Like it is. And so anyways, that's a good way to start with a check-in. Like if you don't, you know, you're kind of at a loss for words. It's kind of a fun exercise. Wait, do you have this? It's in the book. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's in the See, end. this is why. It's in the homework. I can't listen to books. Right. And it, you might, it, would, <laughs> it wouldn't, it might not be in the, in the um, audio. In the audio because it's in the homework section. Oh, see. I think it's in the homework no, section of every chapter eight. Okay. Yeah, I think it was in there, but or you might've just clicked over the homework because you're yeah. listening. But anyways, it's, it's a, it was really telling and, and it was a great place to start. Well, even like Christina and I were kind of chatting this morning before you got here about just like the things that really stuck out to us as we were, were mm-hmm. listening to the book and we kind of unintentionally had a friendship check in. Yeah. And what you said was like, I'll just let you share what you said. This is something that was like really, really interesting. And like such a standout moment for me was like really being intentional with like hanging out. And like, for me, like Ray is like such an amazing friend, someone I really, really value, but I find myself like friendships are so important to me. And I find myself saying yes to so many things when like, really like that is not the best use of my time and the best use of our friendship. So like an example I use is like going out like one night, like going out to a bar, like dancing and drinking or whatever. And I'll say yes to that. 
but then I'll end up, it'll be like the day I'll be like, no, like I really don't want to do that. And I can't do that. And like, I'm not trying to wake up hungover with my son on a Sunday morning. Like, so all these things, but I do value that friendship so much. And what I need to be better at doing is me like, Hey, like, I really want to hang out with you and your friends, but like, can we like do like dinner on this day instead or lunch instead and being like super like totally. intentional about mm-hmm. that time spent instead of just saying yes and feeling obligated to say yes to things. Right. And I, then it was like good for me to hear that because I was like, sometimes like a, if I don't invite Christina, I'm like, shoot, I should like, why didn't I invite her to like come out? But then I don't, I think sometimes I don't because I don't want her to feel obligated because I know she has different priorities. Like we're in such different stages. So I'm like, Oh, I don't want Christina to feel like she has to come. Right. right? So just having that check-in was like, okay, this is so helpful. Like I, yes, I'm going out because I'm single and this stuff, I'm still in this stage, but like, let's go for a hike. Let's go to the park with Nico. But then also like, I do want to be like invited out because there are parts of me where I like want to like go out and party and have fun. And we're like, do other things. It's not like you only like go out and party. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Rayanne is a party girl. Rayanne does like a lot more than that, but it is just knowing that like, okay, like it's okay to like not be able to do something either. And like not feeling if you say you can't. Like if you say no to me, that's totally fine. Right. Exactly. So we had a little bit of a check-in, but it was really interesting. And I was like, wow, I I think I do this a lot. Like I really need to just be more intentional and communicate with people on like the time that, like how much I value them, but how I would prefer to spend our time with what works better with my life as well, because they might not know. They don't. They have no idea because I don't tell them. (laughs) That's the whole thing. And I, as I always say, the invitation is not enough motivation to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So just because you're invited to do something and, and somebody I was talking to specifically was like, I, she doesn't have children and a lot of her friends do. And she's like, I, I always, you know, I get so upset when, you know, I'm invited to like a, um, a kid's, one of my friend's kid's birthdays and I always go and I always hate it. And I, I, I and I was like, you know, cause it's not, she doesn't have kids and it's like the moms really never are like, they're, they're running around with the other kids, totally. making sure you're not the cake out. and the food. And you're not, you're not really hanging out with that friend. You mm-hmm. know, it's more, they're there for support, I guess, but it's not like, so I, I, I said, listen, the invitation is not enough. You, you got to say is I absolutely love you. And I want to hang out and I appreciate that you invited me to this important event for you, but I think it would be better, you know, a better use of our time so that we could actually spend time together. Why don't I come over here? Um, then we have coffee and I bring a little present for your, whoever. And, you know, it's calm. We can talk, you know, and so that's a much better use of your time than going to some kid's birthday party that really is not speaking to where you're at at life. And it's, it's just an obligation at this point. And so you got to be very careful with the obligation part of what you're doing and say, is this an obligation or could I do this better? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and oftentimes you can. And so, and a lot of that is you're being invited because you just think it would be rude the person thinks it would be rude to not invite you. It's not right. necessarily that you're, you need to be there. You know, it's not like the wedding of your child. And then you're inviting right. somebody and saying, I would love you to witness this. It's a three-year-old's birthday. Right. Okay. So something really interesting about this too. And I realized like about myself, like reflecting on how I am with friendships and like being a new mom is that I really want my friends to be close to my son. Like mm-hmm. I want my friends I want to come over and my son to know who they are. Right but I don't necessarily like include my friends and mm-hmm. in a lot of things with my son. Cause I'm like, they don't want to do that. 
Right. So it's like, how do you navigate that in like different stages? Yeah. That's, that's tricky because even my, my, for myself, you know, I'm very conscious of like, you know, Oh, we can go for lunch and I'll bring my two-year-old. And it's like, that is just not, (laughs) <laughs> that's not the same lunch as just me and, and also you. a it's lot like, of times you want that time with your friend without your without two-year-old, your two-year-old. Right. yeah so I mean I think it's just getting creative I think personally it's like bringing them into the home with yeah. a kid not going out because it's just way too distracting and then mm-hmm. you know there's just a lot more space for you know allowing life to happen what's right. not so stressful for you to the mom of being like I need to really manage this totally um but yeah, that is, that is trickier. I but know. I think too, like as like the single person who doesn't have kids, I think it kind of is like, we're all adults. Like I can be like, Hey, Christina, like I really need some one-on-one time with you. I want to get a drink or like, I really want to see Nico. Like, let's go to the park. Right. Like I yeah. think there, it's okay good. to have like mm-hmm. responsibility on like the, the friend with no kids too to voice what they need maybe. Right. right. And it's right. pretty much like being intentional the exact same way, just like in reverse. Exactly. Right. But it's, I think it's sometimes easy as a mom. I mean, I guess it's, it's just completely different to like feel like people don't want to do that. Right. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's complicated. And that really, that really does depend on the other friend. Um, I have a friend uh, who is, is a guy friend actually. And he's very single and very does not have kids. And (laughs) but always wants my counsel on, you know, a girl he's dating or whatever. And so loves to come over to my house and sit on my back deck and honestly drink. And so I was encouraging that a lot because I couldn't go out. I was Mm -hmm. not going to bring my son out and stuff. But what I also realized is that even though he's like sitting out on the back deck, like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine here. You let guys, I'm running back in and out of the house, kind of managing what George is doing. And, and I kind of had to ultimately really not stop, but really reduce the frequency because even though my friend was sitting there being like, no, it's all good. I just felt the energy was there and kind of low key demanded my attention. Mm. I was so pulled between the two worlds that like, you know, you just have to watch what's going on and see what works and see what doesn't. I think it's the paying attention and trying and then trying different things to find what might work. Um, That's important because it's so different with every single friend in your life you know, Ray coming over is not going to be the same as my friend Ed coming over. Totally. It's a very different (laughs) dynamic from what it sounds like, you know? Yeah. Something else that you talk a lot about that I think is really important is like realizing like that there's so many different types of friends. Right. You have like friends that you grew up with. Right. You might have like work friends. Mm -hmm. Um, You might have like, for me, like I have mom friends, right? right? Like people from the park, but like I'm not telling them like my deepest, darkest sure. secrets. Like I have, and I, to be honest with you, like a lot of them are really great, but I'm not even trying to build right. a deeper relationship right. there. Right. Um, but I do think having like those different types of friendships are very important. It's super just, important. It's the same thing in the sense of like, you know, the romantic partner can't be everything for right. you to you. Neither can one friend. And I think understanding what the value proposition of each relationship is, and then being again, intentional about showing up with that person for that. The new mom from, again, you don't necessarily have to tell her, Oh, I'm having an affair. Oh, you know, yeah. and not that you, of course, not that you I'll tell you guys though. Yeah. Okay. If that happens, <laughs> don't worry. But, but, but sh- there's a real purpose there. There's a real utility there. And I, that sounds calculated, but it, but y- recognizing what need that fulfills and what you fulfill for that is really powerful. Right. And you start to then just subconsciously direct energy where it needs to be, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, these are all my friends and totally. they're like this kind of big group of people that all need to serve you in the same way or you them in the same way. And that's just, 
um, it can be a lot better if you really recognize what, you know, each relationship's bringing to the table for you and you it. Mm -hmm. I am. I was with another influencer the other day who was like pretty new to like this whole space. And I asked her, I was like, do you have like any other influencer friends or like, do you have a lot of influencer friends? And she was, and she kind of like made a negative comment about having influencer friends. Um, and she was like, I just don't want friendships that are transactional. Right. And I was like, oh, that's like such an interesting thing because I could see that there are definitely like we live in Los Angeles. There's like a lot of transactional friendships. But for me, like some of like my greatest friends in LA have been my colleagues, which are like other influencers like Ray, for instance. And I guess it's like, how do you like navigate between that? Well, I think, you know, influencers, you don't necessarily go to a nine to five office. You're not, well, you don't Mm -hmm. go to a nine to five office, but for me, that would be the category of work friends. And so you're not necessarily, you have a different kind of boundary and some, some work, uh, an occasional work friend will cross over the threshold to become something more than that. Mm -hmm. But I think like, it's not transactional. If, if you look at it in a classic sense of like be going to an office that that's not a transactional relationship necessarily. You're right. bonding with somebody over a shared, um, you, you know, like experience, experience yeah. and a shared interest, you know, which are two very compelling reasons to be in a friendship with somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think they also make work, good work friendships can make work so much more interesting and dynamic. And oh, yeah. it's nice to walk into like an influencer event and actually see a friend there, you know, and as opposed to walking into a room and it's like, I know all these girls, but like, that's about it. Right. And it's mm-hmm. nice to, you, you know, there's a lot of, it's only transactional if you make it transactional. Right. And I think it's like same, like if you're working in like a corporate environment, like being able to see someone who you have a, who's a friendly face on a zoom or like in a board meeting feels so much better. So much better. It's such, you know, and there's studies and I, I am pretty sure I talk about them in the book that, that say that people that have friends at work are far more productive because they just like being there. They like, it's, you know, going to some of these influencer events are, you know, their work, even though they seem outwardly, you know, glamorous or like fun, their work. And so it's nice to have, you know, a face in a sea of faces that you really enjoy spending time with and connect with and have made a choice around. Absolutely. Another thing that personally really struck a chord with me was how you talk about the importance of having friends that are different from you. Because yeah. again, we've talked here today about having it's so important to have friends who you relate to, mm-hmm. who you have common ground with. Right. But I think, can you speak to a little bit why it is important to have like a diverse, diverse friend group mm-hmm. and um, the importance of having people who aren't just an a, echo a mere, exactly. Right. Yeah. I think it's super important. And I think it's important now more than ever, you know, I think we're seeing, people are so siloed in their beliefs and it's just getting worse and worse. And I think so it's important to be able to have people in your own life that of course they should have the same core values. I'm not Mm -hmm. telling you to go out, you know, and strike up a friendship with a serial killer, but Mm -hmm. you want to have somebody that has a a same people that have the same core values, but that have a different life experience. And they're bringing something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable or curious about, um, because number one, you're just creating a more dynamic environment in your relationships. There's, you know, there's so much to learn. There's so much as opposed to like the known and the familiar that feels good, but it's mundane after, you know, it serves a certain, it serves, certainly it serves a purpose, but it doesn't fulfill everything. So, um, it's important just for your own, you know, 
sense of being alive to create, you know, these more dynamic relationships. It num- number two, I think, and this is maybe the most important part is that what I talked about at the beginning is that friendships has the, have the ability to unlock different parts of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a very homogeneous groups of friends, you are sort of in a static self growth, you know, pattern, right? When you meet somebody that has a different, whether they have their different religion or they've lived in different parts of the world, they have a different sexuality, they have a, whatever it is, just being relational with that person will unlock or reveal a different part of you, who you are as a person, right? How you respond to this material, how you engage with it opens up a part of you that you could never do, um, operating in an echo chamber. Right. Mm -hmm. But then the third part, and I think this is so important is like, we have to, I think we have a responsibility to do this because it is the only way that we stand a chance of curing the collective problem of division. And it's like being able to practice this in your own life on a micro level is really important to, to broadening understanding and acceptance collectively. I don't see another way to do it. In fact, it, we're, we're, we're so polarized. Right. And it's like, you can talk about, you know, you have very, I'll just pick an example. You have very strong feelings about, um, you know, let's say like transitioning, right. If, 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 if you're, um, transgender until you meet somebody that's transitioned yeah. and all of a sudden have a personal experience and then totally, all of a sudden all your world, the aperture is just wide open and in there's no, you can't really read about that experience. You can only live that experience and then have the, have the benefit of it. And so I'm not saying go out and find a transgender friend. Well, what I am saying is energetically be open to what the world puts in Mm -hmm. front of you. And I think right now, energetically, we're very close to that and that therefore we're only meeting and engaging with people that are quite similar to us. And so it's important to conscientiously open up, you know, be open to the magic of life, which is, you know, you know, it's our differences that are interesting, not our similarities. Yeah. I'm like getting emotional hearing you say that because to be honest with you, I I very recently had a very difficult like conversation with a friend who feels like our core values have become very different. Um, but I kind of had to like say to her, I, I don't think our core values are that different to be honest. Like I still love people, but I think what we're struggling with is like, we, is that open-mindedness part. I'm like, let's say, you know, I want to explore this certain thing. That doesn't mean you have to want to explore it. Right. 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 But can you support me in that? And that's where I think it's like, maybe she does have to evaluate if she has that like openness and capacity for it. And like, it it will be like devastating if she doesn't. Right. But it's like, I just think it's so important to have an openness and understand that like, your friends will have a different life than you and they'll make different decisions than you, or maybe they would do something differently than how you would have thought about doing it. Right. That's okay. Yes. I think that's so important. Yeah, totally. So I think it's really important to like actively try to, uh, engage people in your life. Um, you know, for all the reasons that we've just said here, because it, it's, it's, it's not just nice to have, it's a responsibility. Mm -hmm. I feel like, Mm Hmm. Absolutely. I think to um, one of the ending chapters of your book, you kind of talk about, because I know your book is called how to break up with your yeah. friends, but yeah. mo- that's only one There's chapter. One chapter. Yeah. The whole book is really about like how to be a good friend, but Which let's, I love. yes, we love that. But like, let's say you have kind of evaluated this mm-hmm. and you really feel like, okay, this relationship has run its course. Right. So if someone's feeling like that, how do they handle this situation? 
Yeah. So the, the first thing is to really, really understand that you've assessed this in a calm state of mind. You're not being, you're not being reactive. You're not reacting to something that's just happened. Um, so you want to make sure that if something has just happened and that's been the catalyst for you, think about this relationship in a different way that you've had, you know, at least a day, apart, you know, away from whatever's happened to just kind of say, okay, let me look at this. Let me look at the landscape of this friendship historically. And and, you know, the first starting point is really, and what I talk about in, I think it's chapter one, is that you have to really understand who you are, understand where you are, how you got here, where you want to go, and then be able to hold those answers up and say, does this relationship feed or fuel, you know, where I am and where I want to go? If the answer is it doesn't for X, Y, and Z reason, the first thing you want to do, and you know that this is not an emotional reaction, you're sitting calmly and you're like, no, this is just where I'm at. And the hard truth is this is not where this relationship is at. Um, then the first thing I suggest is really kind of envisioning yourself without this person in your life, really kind of almost like pre grieving it because we always spend so much time on the person that's been broken up with, um, you know, and Oh, how, you know, how bad that is for them. But it's just as big of a life mm. shift for you. It's just, you're the one taking action, right? So really envisioning yourself like without this person in your life, taking time to kind of pre grieve it. Because what happens is a lot of times when you do go to break up with somebody, they end up trying to talk you back into it. And if you haven't really kind of projected yourself into the future without this person, it's very easy to get pulled back in. It takes a lot of courage to do this in the first place. So you don't want to be brought back to square one when you're back kind of in this relationship. And I, and then either have to like re kind of break up with them or do a fade away. And so you really want to kind of sit with, you know, as I said, like envisioning, you know, my life without this person. Once you've done that, the next thing is to really understand the other person and how they operate. So I think it's always best to be able to say something like this in person, or at least on the phone, as hard as that is, especially if you've had a long standing relationship and one that has provided a lot of value over the years, you want to like lead with the most kind of respectful thing you can. And that is either in person or on the phone. The caveat being that the main goal is to have the information you are communicating be, um, be received. And so if you are dealing with somebody that is really defensive or hyper reactive or hyper emotional, then maybe putting somebody on the spot, you know, in person or on the phone is not that information is not going to be received. So then you want to look at, okay, can I write a really respectful and compelling email so that the person will get it? probably freak out, but then can calm down and come back to it, hopefully, mm -hmm. in a, or have something that they can refer to and maybe take things out at the pace that they need to, so that it's not just a throwing the information back on you in an emotional burst, right? So you, so you want to know the person that you're, you know, well, so that you don't get also thrown into something where now it's like this heated exchange that it's like, nobody's learning anything. And like, and then what you want to do, and regardless of how you, uh, if it's in person on the phone or an email, is you want to lead with respect and love, and it is out of respect for this relationship and the historical, you know, the history of who we've had together. It's out of the love that I need to be really honest with you. This is what's come up for me. I, and then I, as you guys know, I literally give five or six different scenarios for conversation starters based on the scenario. It's certainly not exhaustive 
you know, mm-hmm. but kind of high level ideas of just how to get into the conversation because that's the hardest part because we never do this. We mm-hmm. break up with romantic partners all the time. <laughs> and those are really still really hard conversations to have, but at least we kind of know that it's acceptable. The problem with this is it feels so wildly unacceptable to be breaking up with a friend because nobody ever does it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So anyways, the, the conversation starters are there just to get, once you get into it, I think that you can communicate what's gone on for you, but it's like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? And how do you get it started? That's like the most terrifying thing. Yeah. It's intimidating. Yeah. I think so much about like, I, I keep going back to this, like one thing in college, I happened, I had this amazing group of friends yeah. and we kind of had a falling out. And I almost like wish we had a friend breakup. Because what ended up happening is that nothing was communicated. Unresolved. It was so Mm -hmm. unresolved. And now years later, like, I feel like, I mean, it's been so long now, but even months afterwards, you know, people were like, oh, let's hang out again. But it was like, there was no communication there. And it was like, so such a like messy breakup with no resolution, like no questions asked, no questions answered. And I think we were all like scared. Yeah. Yeah. Scared to like hear what the other person had to say. Right. That nothing, no communication happened. And it, and it really ruined such an amazing friendship. Yeah. Well, one of the most surprising things that I found when I was interviewing a couple of uh, women for the book is that two women who are, you know, killing it in life now separately, they don't know each other and you very strong uh, kind of empowered women uh, told both separately told me stories where they'd been in friendship, uh, breakups and they'd been the one that had been kind of broken up with. And, but both of them had been broken up with by ghosting, basically like Mm. the other person just kind of disappeared, stopped returning calls or texts or whatever. Mm. And it was unbelievable how both women, when they're talking, when they started to talk about it, were immediately brought back to that space and time. And it was like, you could hear like, and I just don't know what happened. And these, these things happened you know, a decade ago. Right. Yeah. And it's like they're fresh wounds and you think that they're not alive in you. And yet when you talk about it, it's like, yeah, like that's kind of how I feel right now. Just, and I can see that in you yeah. talking about it and your, your, your head is reeling. Well, what happened? What could have been different? What, what did she think? What did you know? And you yeah. can see it. And so that's, what's so dangerous about ghosting is we think it's kind of like this, um, are we better forever? Like, yeah. And it, it yeah. And it's like, of course it's like the easy way out, but we think that it's the least damaging and yet it's not Mm -hmm. in a sense because it's this energy is alive in us. We just don't know it. It's like a hard drive left, left spinning. Mm -hmm. Um, that's burning out. Right. And, and so it's as hard as it is to have a conversation. And this is something you can tell yourself if you are thinking of getting out of a relationship, but how do I do it? And Oh my God, this is so hard. It's like when you remember this story and say actually how hard it is for the other person when they don't have that closure. Totally. Cause as I said, this like they were brought right back to it. And so you can say like, it's not like you're doing them a favor by breaking up with them. But honestly, if you think you're somehow saving them from any pain, you're not, mm-hmm. it's a little more upfront on the breakup, but then it's done. And, and as opposed to having all these kind of open little tiny wounds, um, which are with you until you can deal with them. Yeah. So important. Um, so much good information. (laughs) I know. Um, well we always end our episodes with a question from our audience. And so we have one that we think you would actually be very, the perfect person, the perfect person answer. And you actually kind of touched on it when you shared an anecdote earlier. Mm. Um, so Christina, I'll let you read our ask away. Okay. So today's ask away with Ray and Kay is I have a friend I love spending time with, but I find we only talk or hang out. If I initiate the convo and get together, right? How would you handle this friendship? 
Yeah. So you, okay. So we got, we got to go back to communication first of all. And I think that, that, that this person really needs to look at beyond just her reaching out. Are there other things in the, in the relationship that feel unbalanced or one-sided, or is it just this? If it's just this, this can be something that I think she should bring to the surface and be like, I, Hey, I love, I always love hanging out with you. I just feel like I'm the one always asking. I have somebody like this in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so th- that doesn't feel great. And I want to make sure that it's like, you are not coming to hang out out of obligation just because I'm inviting you. Because as I, you know, as I said earlier, the invitation is not motivation of, enough to go. And so, and so it's, it is important to communicate thing because there is a resentment building up there. And again, this is the death by a thousand cuts thing. If you don't address it, cut to a year later and mm-hmm. now there's resentment and kind of like, why isn't she making an effort? Right. And this is an easy conversation to have. Like if it, if it were two guys having this, there'd be nothing on it. Emotionally. It, would, it, it would talk about transactionally it would be like, this is what I'm seeing. What's up. And it's like, Oh, sorry. I didn't, you know, a lot of people don't even realize their behavior pattern. The truth is you teach people how to treat you as well. So if you mm. are the one that are, if you are kind of jumping out in front of and not giving the other person, do it, do a test. Don't invite the person out and see how long it takes for them to, um, ask you to do something or make plans or reach out, that's a great place to start and say, you know, I just noticed like, if it's not me asking you, I don't hear from you. So do that little test. See, sometimes you'll be surprised. They will reach out to you. If you just give them that extra little space to do it, they just think you're going to reach out. And that's, so you've co-cultivated that pattern. So, so I think just kind of getting to the bottom of like, whose responsibility is this in it? You know, mm-hmm. is it a, is it the case that I'm chasing her or is it the case that I'm not giving her enough space to come back to me? Right. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you want to really look at, as I said, is this unbalance happening just in the making plans or energetically? Is there an imbalance in this relationship? Look at it broader than that. Mm-hmm. Because often that can be the case where the, the making plans is the symptom, but it's symptomatic of something larger. And if there's something larger going on there and you're accepting behaviors that are less obvious, but ultimately end up being that this is an unbalanced friendship, that's something you're going to want to look at mm-hmm. a lot more deeply than just like, this is a habit between us to be fixed. This is a, is there a dynamic here that does not support me? Mm-hmm. And so that's a different scenario altogether. Only she can answer that. Right. But you've got to do the work and really look at like, and you, I always say this, you also, and I t- just kind of t- t- touched on a little bit about like, don't just put it on the other person. It's so easy to say the other person's toxic. And I know that's not what she's saying in this mm-hmm. question, but on a bigger scale to be like, that I hear this yeah. all the time in my office. He's toxic. She's toxic. I say, stop, stop, stop. You're giving away your power. What is your responsibility in this? And that's not to take away bad behavior, right? And in this case, it's not to say that it's not cool that this person is not reaching out, but what in me is allowing this or has allowed it up until this point? Bring it back to you because there's a lot of good information there, right? As opposed to just saying this is something the other person needs to fix. What is my responsibility here and my involvement here? And how can I also pivot and grow Mm -hmm. to help support a a more healthier dynamic between us? I think that's such a good point because I think too, we live like, I feel like a lot nowadays on social media and stuff too, it's always about like, cut out what's not serving you, blah, right. blah, blah, which it's like, right. True. But like, it's not that simple. Exactly. Like, I think we can't just say this person, like, I don't like what they're saying. I don't like what they're doing, but like, okay, why, what right. is it in you right now? Like, I think that we need to do more self-reflection before we can exactly. make those 
cut those things or whatever. And especially for this instance, I will say I have been the friend who I used to really rely on my friends to invite and plan. I never, I mean, this is goes even deeper. Like I don't like to plan things because I don't like to feel responsible for people having a good time. If I pick a restaurant, I'm like, Oh, what if the food's not good? (laughs) And so I've had to really get over that because I've had friends who have, you know, voiced that to me where like, I need to step up and plan and initiate things as well too. Like it's not fair to put it on them the whole time. Right. Right. No, totally. And also realize your own self-worth and it's like, even if you go somewhere and the food is shitty, that they're not coming. Exactly. Nobody's coming there for the right. I mean, it's that's not just your a fault. Yes. And, and that's just a bonus that the food yes. would be good. It's yes. the hanging out with the friends that is what's yeah. the important part. So making that effort to make the plans, I think exactly. that that's what they, they're, or your friend or friends were feeling. It's like, yes. Yeah. Right. Is, I had to get over that yeah. and start initiating as well. And I think one last thing is like, don't take things so personally all the time. The depersonalization is the most important thing because I have one friend who I literally call like every single day <laughs> and sometimes he doesn't answer. And then he just calls me back when he's available. Like, right. it's not like they're not answering because they don't like you. Right. Sure. Well, they're just not available. And like, I have another friend too, who she's like, she was telling me the story about like one of her best friends, my friend Mary, she was like, one of her friends is really good at keeping in touch and calling and she's right. just not that great. And she was like, always tells her friend, please never stop calling me right. because when I have the time I will answer and I just can't wait to hear from you, but please like never stop calling. Right. So I just like, don't take things so personally. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I think just that little exchange is so powerful, right? right? You know, the, the clear, not a way, not a measure of how I feel about you. In fact, I'd feel bad if you weren't calling me. Right. I'm exactly. just telling you from a bandwidth perspective, I can't always return each call, but I will always return your call. Mm-hmm. No. Okay, Aaron, can you plug yourself? Please tell everyone <laughs> where they can find you. Uh, sure. The uh, books are on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Indie Books. Um, and then I am on social at Aaron Falconer or at Pick the Brain, which is my blog. And um, AaronFalconer.com is for like all the other things I do. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. This is so fun. So good. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.